Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Sports Complex. Afternoons 5 to 7. Hell yeah! On the horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon. On today's show, we will talk a little bit about the World Series. I know, you Rangers fans are happy. I'm happy for you guys. Rangers win the World Series last night. Texas plays Kansas State this weekend. We'll get into some more college football talk. The college football playoff rankings are out. Uh, There is a Big 12 football game tonight. We'll get into that. Uh, There's an NFL game tonight as well. We'll get into that. Uh, some news about Jim Harbaugh and a pos- uh, possible suspension if he were to jump to the NFL. We can get into that, too. Talk some Cowboys. Talk some Texans. Talk some ca- oh, coaching NFL hot seat news and a whole lot more on the show today. And before we get to any of that, and also, well, before we get to even what we're going to get to, that's before what we get to. Uh, reminder, the text line is open for you guys. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. Uh, is where you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. And uh, But what we're going to get to is today is a Thursday before a home game, which means we are joined by our uh, great colleagues from Hook 'em Up. Weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on the Horn. Aaron Hogan, Rob Babers are going to be out at third base up in Round Rock. And I believe Aaron Hogan is joining us right now out there. Aaron, how's it going out around uh, third base? Doing good. I can't be at home because I'm on third base. I'm on third base. Or at third <laughs> base. Great spot right here on the southeast corner of the Spaghetti Bowl at uh, 45 and the uh, crossover there. Great spot. You know, obviously traffic in, uh, in Round Rock these time of, this time of day. So come on off. Just get off the, the freeway. Jump in right there over the Best Buy. Jump in here. Target is in this uh, little shopping plaza. Good spot. Third base. Really, really cool cool spot to watch the games tonight. And as you said, there's a get-your-guns-up game starting at 6 o'clock. TCU in Texas Tech. Uh, everything runs through Lubbock, remember, Patrick. So uh, uh, it'll be a good spot tonight. Plus you've got the Titans and the Steelers with Will Levi's against uh, – uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, young quarterbacks. That one should be fun. 
I know it's Levis, but I like Levi's better. I think he should change it and then brand himself and sell himself to jeans. Uh, that would be my guess. But either way, that's uh, what we're going to be doing. Also, as you just said, talking about the Texas K-State game, the monster weekend in the Big 12, college football. Huge day of the NFL, too, coming up on Sunday. So it's a, it's a great weekend, great way to start it. And congratulations to those Texas Rangers. You said it uh, there, Patrick. Rod and I talked about it this morning. Uh, Rangers earned it and uh, are the champions of baseball. They are. And yeah, third base round rock, giving away tickets to college football games that you might want to go to, and a signed, autograph signed football. We think it's Steve Sarkeesian's autograph, but it could be St. Paul. It could be St. <laughs> Mike. I, I don't know. He did, I think it's I think it's St. Sark. I think it's I think that's his signature. St. Sark. I think that's what he goes with. But <laughs> that's anyway. what he goes with. Yeah, I will tell. I will tell Rangers fans. I did my part last night. I watched a game with some friends that are Rangers fans. Uh, we we're having fun at the between the seventh and eighth inning. I went outside by myself to kind of get a different vibe because the Rangers weren't doing well enough. Uh, I get out there, and the bottom, they let it up at the bottom. They, people start walking outside. I'm like, everybody has to stay in their place. I'm not normally a very superstitious person, but in baseball, you have to be. So I, stood, I stayed outside for the rest of the game, and afterwards, I told them, it's like, you know, I just had to have my Astros energy outside of the house for you, and you guys were able to go win the World Series. So, Rangers fans, I did my part. I tried for yeah. you guys, and I helped you get that. So that's I, I'm just I'm just trying to tell everybody I helped the Rangers win the World Series. Clearly, yeah. Take some credit. Take some credit. <laughs> and as you just said, take your Astros outside. Take your Astro out, ass outside. So, you know, I love that. Well, yeah, there being no hit, perfect. You know, perfect for six innings against uh, Zach Gallon, and the poor guy pitched his his lights out, but or his guts out. And uh, uh, you know, Max, uh, excuse me, Nathan Evaldi. the Alvin Yellow Jacket, the Alvin Yellow Jacket, uh, Patrick. You know, the the most famous Alvin pitcher not named Nolan Ryan uh, on the mound last night for the Rangers and he went uh, he wasn't perfect he pitched out at some jams and kept the Rangers scoreless along you know the Diamondbacks scoreless right there but yeah that's one of those things if you're a Ranger fan uh, six, you know 62 years as an organization and you're trying to win your first championship and all of a sudden you're getting no hit through six innings you're thinking oh my gosh <laughs> this is not what we planned for uh, the team that had scored all these runs but of course they get a run in the seventh Corey Seager again with the the first single to break up the no-no and uh, comes around to score, and then four more in the ninth for Cushion, which I think made the all Ranger fans feel a lot better because their bullpen has been suspect really in the regular season, not as much in the postseason. And they close that thing out. And uh, you know, congrats. And we're in Round Rock tonight here at third base. Congrats to the uh, 14 members of the Round Rock Express who played here at the Dell Diamond in Round Rock on their way to the big club, coaches and players. So, uh, congratulations. Yeah, and I mean, you saw Trevor Simeon gets out of the doghouse because he had some big hits in game. Uh, in game four and game five, gets a bit that huge hit. But yeah, I mean, and if you're Arizona, the back end of that was you were in game, you know, you're in game, uh, uh, an elimination game for you. You're no hitting the other team. Everything seems going like it's going well for you, and you are still not able to even get, you know, you can't get a lead. Even though you're no hitting the other team, it just kind of seemed like it wore on them. And by the end, they were, uh, they looked defeated by the end of that. Uh, they may be around. I know they're going to have to go out and try and spend some money in the offseason because I'm not sure that pitching, you know, I don't know if they'll be that lucky again to be able to blow through the NL and get back to the World Series. But uh, congratulations to Rangers. Uh, congratulations for uh, the, great, uh, the great win and the great win in the series. Yeah, you're right about that. And, uh, uh, yeah, Diamondbacks were way ahead of schedule, way ahead of schedule. I still I watch that whole series thinking, how did they beat the Phillies? I don't get that. Uh, Phillies were the better team, and they had all the momentum, and they still couldn't bring that thing home. But uh, not sure how they beat the Phillies. But, you know, give them credit. Uh, I loved it afterwards. Toro Lavulo, the, Toro Lavulo, the uh, manager of the, of the uh, Diamondbacks, said he was going to get away, go camping. 
eat, some, eat a bunch of ice cream and just suck his thumb because he was so disappointed. That they, <laughs> it's a great piece of audio. He actually said that. He's like, I, uh, I'm so disappointed. I thought we were going to win this thing. And they, they were playing on bar, on, you know, kind of house money kind of thing yeah. when you're getting on a roll, roll at the blackjack table. And, uh, you know, the Rangers ended that. And, and give the Rangers so much credit. 11-0 in the postseason. 42 run differential on the road in the playoffs. I mean, that's just that stuff of dominance. And uh, uh, Bruce Bochy deserves all the credit. Rangers deserve a lot of credit. It's a good organization. And that's what makes now Patrick, you and I, and Rod are all Astros fans. You know, next year turns into a lot of fun because, uh, you know, you want to keep the championship in the Lone Star State. You want to keep it in Texas. And, uh, you know, game on starting next, uh, next spring training and into the regular season. Uh, every one of those matchups with the Rangers and Astros next year will be kind of must-see TV every series, and that'll be fun because uh, they've won the last two championships, and that's uh, pretty cool to have baseball the epicenter right here in, uh, in the great state. Yeah, and the Rangers going strong because Bruce Bochy has a three-year contract. Doesn't seem like he wants to leave before at least three years, so you've got him coming back. Right. Astros on a managerial search right now. Uh, Jim Crane has kind of come out and said that he is not too worried about getting it quickly, that they're okay with taking a process. If you look at history, it would you would assume it would be somebody coming from the outside. They typically hire from outside. There is rumors that it could be their bench coach or somebody from in the organization, but they may go out and get somebody else. And I can believe with Click uh, as your new general manager, they may be looking at the Braves and may have somebody in that organization they like as well. Uh, that also could happen. Yeah, we'll see. Dana Brown comes in from the Braves to replace James Click, and Dana Brown does have a lot of National League ties. And you wonder, I've heard the name, I've talked to all my people, Patrick, and i got some people, uh, you know, not many, but i got some. I've heard that Joe Espada, the bench coach, is the leader. I've also heard the name Brad Osmus, which would probably be Jeff Bagwell's number one choice if he has a say. I've also heard the name Craig Council. Uh, is someone that is that has impressed them so far in the early interview process. So I think those would be the three that I would push forward uh, as names. And then you're going to hear others. But uh, I think the one that makes the most sense is Joe Espada because he already has respect to that locker room. And uh, he's kind of Dusty Baker's right-hand guy. And he's kind of been, he's, you know, he's been interviewing for jobs for several years in the offseason. And it's almost felt like he's the heir apparent. Uh, once Dusty Baker was brought in to you know, put out the fire of the, uh, the A.J. Hinch yeah, Astro sign stealing thing and did a great job and they won a championship. Went to a couple World Series. He uh, he did a good and but but a spot has kind of been been groomed for that role in my mind. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Jim Crane. One thing I'll say about Jim Crane, the owner. And, and remember, how about this, Patrick? As the Rangers win their first World Championship, if you go back to when, do you remember when the uh, Rangers were up for auction in the two thousands? Yeah. Like they were they were you could auction them. They were up for bid. And uh, you had the Nolan Ryan group, you had the Jim Crane group, you had the Mark Cuban group trying to bid to buy the Texas Rangers. Nope. We might have lost Aaron there for a second. We'll see if he drops back in or if there are, oh, there he is. Just drop back in. Sorry about that. Well, I don't know where I dropped it, but yeah, we're having some, uh, some technical uh, glitches here at the third base in Round Rock, but... Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the, the Rangers were up for auction, Patrick. I mean, you, you, yeah. they were a bid, there was a bidding process, and Jim Crane was a big part of that. I mean, he made a big bid on the Rangers, along with uh, you know Mark Cuban was a part of that, and Nolan Ryan and his group, and they ended up winning it. Jim Crane then pivoted and ended up buying the Astros from uh, Drayton McLean. So that's another Texas uh, Houston crossroads that we're at right now. Yeah. with the, uh, the Lone Star State teams, pretty cool. Yeah, it worked out for us as Astros fans as well. So <laughs> yes, complain. it did. I think both teams are pretty happy right now. Uh, with the last two World Series staying in Texas, uh, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, but let's get to another Texas team, Texas Longhorns. 
are playing the Kansas State Wildcats on Saturday. Big noon kickoff is going to be in town. That should tell you it's going to be a big game. Uh, and it's big because now Texas is in that place where I think a lot of television and a lot of uh, media people would like Texas to move up in that college football playoff ranking. But they got to keep winning, and they need to keep winning big games. And so you're putting them on a big stage against K-State. Uh, for me, there's two big storylines in this game is – can Malik Murphy come out and improve in week two and this offense get rolling against a very tough K-State defense that's going to be trying to put pressure on them? And on the other end, can Texas defense tackle and stop the run game that has been dominant for K-State the last few weeks? Uh, Sark spoke to the media today, and he talked about stopping the run game. Uh, here's Sark today talking about what they need to do. Uh, when he was asked, uh, "How do you have you worked on tackling and the toughness this week to uh, – to compete in uh, stopping K-State? It's huge. Um, you know, we, we recognize this. You know, they tax you uh, in a lot of ways in, in their ability to um, deploy people on the field, um, utilize some of the RPO game. Um, they're very tactical in their approach to running the football, um, but yet they have the physicality to run the football and they got a veteran offensive line and they've got two really good runners and they got two very capable quarterbacks at running the ball. So I'm not, we're not naive to think that they're going to, they're going to scheme us up on some things and they're going to, they're going to have some runs that are available to them. We have to make sure that those runs are limited to what they were blocked for. Um, I say it all the time. Let, let, let's let a five-yard run be a five-yard run. Don't let a five-yard run turn into a 15 or 20-yard run. How does that happen? That happens, A, if you're out of your gap, okay, and we don't fit it properly, and then, B, we miss that tackle, okay? And so, fundamentally, there's the fundamental of being aligned right and reading the the, the scheme and being in my right fit, and then the second fundamental um is is using the proper technique to get people on the ground. And then the third aspect to that is our effort. We need to populate the ball really well Saturday. So uh, I think all those levels to it, um, but but leveraging the ball, tackling, getting as many white hats as we can to the football are all critical. And then ultimately, uh, you know, at, at some point, getting the ball off them. And we, we've got to create some turnover Saturday as well. So if they got to create those turnovers, they have to create uh... – contact they have to create the impact not let guys get off and, and two or three guys and something that's kind of I haven't seen a lot this season which I know is one of Sark's key points is the party at the football I've seen a lot of guys kind of slowing up before those hits and I don't know if they don't want a late hit or what the coaching is in it but this seems like a game Aaron that they're really going to have to have the party at the football in two or three guys to tackle some of these runners for K-State Agreed, especially the quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, Rod Babers now joins us here at the Third Base uh, Sports Bar and Great Restaurant and Grill in Round Rock, Texas. How was yes, that traffic sir. there, RB? Everything uh, good? It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. It's, it's terrible. Everybody knows it's terrible. I think it took me an hour plus to get up here. Yeah. But, uh, it's worth it because uh, Third Base is one of my favorite spots, actually. I love this Third Base. I used to live. Nope. And we dropped out again. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if Rod drops out. There, there. Sorry, guys. Dropped out. Yeah. We got you at uh, one of your favorite places, yeah. Rod. No, it is. I used to party at the third base, party and populate the football at third base. Yeah, often. I forgot you lived in Pflugerville for, before <laughs> yeah, you were a bubba man. down in South Austin with me. Yeah, no doubt. Had, uh, had good times up here. So uh, come on out to third base. Uh, we're having a good time and uh, plenty of reasons to come out. We'll give you some details about that before we get out here. But getting back to the conversation about Steve Sarkeesian. How do they force, how do they force turnovers, Rod? Because in the two losses, they turned the ball over and, they're, and, and, and they haven't forced any. 
That's really the key against really any team, but certainly K-State. If you can force some turnovers, get the ball away from them, that becomes a major factor of the game. Longhorns forced a few last week against uh, BYU. Yeah, uh, well, the ones they forced last week against BYU were, uh, a lot of them were via the blitz. I mean, they forced five turnovers in the last two games, and uh, four of them have been on blitz plays where they blitz and been in gambling. So, uh, you, you got a guy like Jalen Catalan who's back practicing, but he's not going to play in this game. He's a guy that usually comes, you know, downhill, runs the alley, and brings force in the run game. We saw him cause a fumble when Jason Bean of Kansas was running that triple option play, came downhill, forced the ball loose, and drawed the ball loose. Sark wants more of those plays. Uh, you saw one of them with Jalen Ford, right? He just he forced a fumble, uh, and then you know was able to they were able to get recover that. So that's another example of it. But I don't necessarily see that as being a um, a, a large component in the game. Uh, you got to stop K-State. K-State is well-coached, and they're a disciplined football team. They don't beat themselves. K-State never has beat themselves, right? They're just not a team that really does that. That's why when Will Howard threw those interceptions, it was so uncharacteristic of K-State football. They just immediately went to the freshman, all right, and Avery Johnson to incentivize him to make better decisions. They are second in the, F- in, uh, in the FBS, and they're first in the Power Five in 10-plus-yard rush plays. They get a lot of those. So a big part of getting them in third and long is to stop them on first down, and they usually end up getting chunk yards in terms of the run game, seven, eight, even ten-plus yard plays as they're second uh, in the country uh, in that category on the ground. If you stop that, and Texas will be the best defense they face, I think it will shell-shock them a little bit, and maybe they get desperate, change their approach just, just a tad. Yeah. The other part of that, Patrick, I don't think K-State has beaten a good team yet. That becomes the question, right? The Oak State's a good team all of a sudden. They're, they're four and one, part of that, uh, you know, five-way tie atop the Big 12. Missouri has proven to be a good team. They both beat K-State. Their six wins have come against teams that uh, are below 500. They have not beaten a good team yet. This obviously is a step up in class for them. I think obviously we're in the fishbowl of Austin talking about Texas. Texas has seven wins. They've beaten some good teams. Their opponent record is 45, uh, 40 and 24. Uh, they've beaten Alabama. They beat Kansas here. They you know, were obviously lost Oklahoma, but we're right there. Uh, this is a big step up for K-State, uh, but also, and they have to play on the Texas home field. That's probably why they're an underdog. But uh, K-State's got a step up in class as well that they're dealing with with this Texas team. And I'm pretty certain, as you just heard Sark say, it's been a hard week and a physical week of practice. Sark understands how important this game is uh, to their season. They win this game. A lot is out in front of them. They lose it. A lot goes away. Yeah, and I mean, you, you really want to put together a team, which is what Texas has tried to do this year and failed a little bit on the, the physicality end, but you want to have finesse and physicality joined together. K-State is all about the physicality, not so much the finesse. And so if you're able to go and be physical against them, if they're able to bring the same physicality they brought against Alabama, then that's a team that you were able to handle at K-State. We're going to see with Missouri how good that team that beat K-State. We'll see how good they are this week when they play Georgia. If they're hanging with Georgia, then, you know, that K-State game, maybe uh, K-State did put up a good effort against it. But that was also earlier in the season. But I, I think that for Texas, you just kind of – if you can play your game and you cannot get away from it and you can not hurt yourself on the offensive end, your defense should be able to put up some numbers and be able to stop this K-State defense from killing you. They may have a couple plays break through, but you just need your offense to be able to put up those points that you've been averaging – trying to get closer to 30, 35 points. If you get there, I think you can be able to handle this K-State team, even though they put up good numbers against some not great teams. I, I said this, you know, after the Oklahoma game, and I said it earlier this week about this K-State matchup. I think in the end, this game's going to come down to red zone offense for Texas mm-hmm. and lack thereof. 
uh, Texas is one of the best offenses in the country, and it is almost inexplicable to be 120th in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. It is, like I said, it's mind-numbingly perplexing for Texas to be that bad in the red zone. K-State, touchdown percentage uh, defense in the red zone, top three in the country. They're really good in the red zone. They're good at bend Texas but don't break, really Ron. bad in the red zone. Texas has to fix that against K-State because, yes, otherwise, just as he mentioned, they'll play bend but don't break defense. Texas gets in the red zone. Either Sark's going to gamble way too much and it's going to backfire on Texas or it's going to settle for field goals over and over again, and that potentially could be – Hazardous difference of the game <laughs> to their game plan. Yeah, no, I mean you just gave all the stats right there. That's right. I mean they 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 are number one in the country. Certainly the Big Twelve number uh, top three in the country in third down conversion rate, which means they stay on the field offensively. We've seen that this year with Texas, where, uh, gosh, just uh, just last week BYU had one long drive. Rice had one long drive. Wyoming uh, had one one or two long drives. All of a sudden they've chewed up half, most of a quarter. Yep. Uh, ten minute drive in the second or third or whatever quarter it is is over. No, this team at K-State can shorten a game uh, and make, make you a little panicky on offense, Rod, exactly right. or you feel like you've got to go get some points because your possessions are being limited, and all of a sudden if you can't punch it in and, and as, Rod, as uh, Sark has said, finish these drives, put it in the end zone, now all of a sudden you're scrambling because uh, the, you're running out of time and, and maybe trailing the game with a backup quarterback. That would be, I, I agree with you 100%, the red zone is uh, the factor for the Longhorns. Can they score touchdowns, not settle for field goals? That's why he lost Oklahoma game. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about playing a game at home where this tech, where if you go for it on fourth down in the red zone again and don't get it, then you take all momentum out of this crowd, and then they hold the ball for eight minutes, nine minutes of gameplay, which is 25 regular minutes. Then if you have that type of change, then you can take this Texas crowd out of the game and make it a little bit easier and harder for Malik Murphy to get the ga- the crowd back into it. And, you know, if you're going to try and run the ball right back at him, with Jonathan Brooks, that may, and if you're not popping off big runs, you know, you can silence the crowd if you're K-State. So for Texas, you really can't allow yourself to get in those red zone positions again and twice or three times in a game give up, you know, not score any points because you are you think you can get that fourth that, that fourth down pickup even though you couldn't pick it up in the last three plays. It's He's he's done it too many times now, and I get, I get you were trying last week to – get the momentum swung in the right direction but at a certain point you kind of swung it even further the door shut that this team doesn't believe in itself at all in the red zone it doesn't seem yeah no i'm with you i i don't really know the answer at this point i assume that sark would figure it out but um the reality is they're just a bad red zone team they're bad in red zone and they're bad on the uh, on the goal line they're actually not bad in short yardage yeah different goal line uh they're bad there and i i just think it's for longhorn fans and for sark of course it's confusing because you got nfl talent across the board at skill positions right yeah ad mitchell xavier worthy jt sanders all going to get drafted in the first two three rounds of the nfl draft biggest offensive line in the big 12 averaging 325 pounds per man right and you also have he said, you know, Sark, who he considers himself one of the better offensive minds in all of college football, combine, you combine all those advantages and all the cheat codes and none of it's amounting to cashing in touchdowns in the red zone when it counts most. Like I said, it's, 
I can't figure it out either. Uh, as a football theorist, Sark can't figure it out. He's tried. He's throwing a lot of stuff at it just to try to see if he can have a breakthrough here. Um, I, 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 I have some ideas about it, but um, there's nothing right now that pulls. We dropped except him. for Texas in the red zone. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'd like to see that Red Cat package uh, continue to grow, especially while Quinn Ewers is out. Just trying to find new new plays and new ways you can use it, and then you can even switch the Red Cat and have Savion Red uh, flex out as a wide receiver at points. You could use him as a running back at points in it, and have him back and have Malik Murphy in there. You can try different things with that Red Cat. I'd like to see him expand that in the red zone some and have some different looks because he. I, I think in the red zone too, he shows his look, and then he does what he does so many times that there is really not as much of a. It, confusion in the defense they know where to go and if you have 11 yeah. guys aimed in one place it's really hard to beat it and with the red cat i feel like there's even more options they can do it's predictable yeah. right now it is yeah yeah they gotta add they need, he needs to hand it off hopefully this game if they run the red cat he'll hand it off because right now he hasn't handed off they did throw it in the oklahoma game for the red cat but we haven't seen him hand it off yet. Maybe that's kind of the change of pace. It'll force defenses to respect it on on different levels, right? Respect the edge, respect obviously the power running game with it, and even the pass um, with the with the delayed release from a tight end like he did in the Oklahoma game. So I'm with you. The Red Cat probably deserves a little bit more consideration in yeah. the red zone. Yeah, I remember early in the year we talked about Quinn Ewers scored so many rushing touchdowns, right? And, uh, yeah, but he now, was. And I think he's a plus runner versus Malik Murphy, who's more of a you know, pocket passer, even though he's 6'5 and 240. Uh, I agree with you guys both on the Red Cat. And you could even throw it. I mean, Savion Red was a high school quarterback. Uh, don't have to throw it far. He's not going to throw a perfect fade route, most likely. But <laughs> you could throw a little quick pass to the outside. You could come in and bunch and then out and, and throw something quick. Screen. Because in this game, this is how important this game is, Patrick. Um, you know, break tendency here. Do something they haven't seen. You only got to score a couple touchdowns in this game, and all of a sudden, I don't want to say that the red zone woes are over, but you win this game. I mean, you just you do something they haven't seen yet. Uh, to your point about taking the red cat and expand on it, uh, start tight and go wide, and then do something. You just got to you you can't. Start, he, Stark has to stop being stubborn, and I'm, we're going to prove a point here. Just just get the ball in the dang end zone. I mean, that's really got to be the goal. And if it's the, with the red cat or with Malik or whatever you come up with, they have to put the ball in the end zone in this game because it will be the determining factor, as Rod said. All right, Patrick, we're live at third base. We've already got, look at this, we've got buckets of beer here that are, that are burnt orange oh, with, yeah. the, with the blue caps, the Bud Lights. They're ready to go. I want one of these buckets for the yeah, house. This, nice. These buckets are great, the yeah. uh, Bud Light Hook'em Horns bucket. Uh, so come on out. They're plastic, actually. That's kind of cool. So they're cool, uh, man. Uh, pretty nice. Uh, we're ready to roll here at third base. Get ready for Texas Tech and TCU coming up at 6 o'clock. So if you're sitting in that traffic, Rod and I sat in to get out here. Just peel on off. Come on in here. Have one of these uh, these beers in a bucket, and uh, we'll get you going. Get some great food here. Get the games going. You got the Steelers and Titans tonight, and uh, win college football tickets and Steve Sarkeesian signed football, which so I believe is, that, is, is that Saint his, Steve is what I think it is. So is that his signature? It looks doesn't look like. I, I said it's. Or I think it's S T Sark. Oh. I think that's what he goes with. Saint Sark. But he also has a line <laughs> with like a like a face thing. That is weird. I that don't is know. a Somebody weird Somebody asked him to explain his signature one day. <laughs> That's a good question. Well, seriously, I would love to know. He I just, think it's ST. He just gives up Sark. before the EVE? Yes. Yes, yeah, he I does. He just gives up. It's not yes, even Steven. It's not even Steven, Rod. Even <laughs> he doesn't even attempt the EVE. In no, the, in the that's a red zone just, stop on the EVE. Yes, it's a red zone. It's, it's a fail. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Big fail. Ready to get five yards, got two. 
I know, Patrick, I know we've got the whole rundown of uh, more Sark sound we'll hear from. I know you got it, we got uh, the Michigan thing, the college the uh, college football playoff rankings. we got baseball. we got a lot going on. So uh, drive the ship, my friend. We will. And uh, let's hit the big fat poll of the day before we go to the break to get everybody involved on the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Uh, this one's this one's simple. We are going against it's going against K State. K State's averaging 226 rushing yards a game. Texas allowing 97.9 rushing yards a game. How many yards do you think K State is going to have against Texas on the ground in this matchup? Send that number in if you think we're going to do well against them or do poorly. Let us know what that number is uh, on the poll. And when we come back, we'll answer that. We'll actually ask the guys, Aaron and Rod, out there at third base about the poll from yesterday and uh, who they are going to miss playing in the Big 12. And uh, keep the party rolling here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Back in the Sports Complex here on The Horn. Still playing Halloween music for another day for you here as the theme of the week on The Sports Complex. Uh, text lines open, 512-447-3776. Big fat poll today. How many rushing yards will Texas allow against K-State? Just a reminder, K-State averaging 226 rushing yards a game. That's a lot. And Texas is holding teams to 97.9 so far this season. So what do you guys predict? Will Texas be able to hold K-State in the running game, or will K-State go off and get near their average, go over? Are they going to run all over Texas? Let us know what you think on the text line. Also, remember, it's a Thursday, so we're being joined by Rod Babers, Aaron Hogan from Hook Em Up, weekday morning 6 to 11, right here on the horn. They're out of third base in uh, Round Rock. So, guys, uh, for that, uh, how many rushing yards? Are, we know this is going to be a battle because it is two teams with drastically different averages of running. Is this a... Uh, a running game where you think Texas will be able to hold them under 150? Uh, I think that would be a tall task, Patrick, to go under 150. But under 200 would be a kind yeah. of a goal, I think, in this game um, because they're going to get their rush yards. You heard Sark say it in that opening cut that you played. They're very uh, and you know well coached. They've got six. They have, they have three six-year seniors on their offensive line, Patrick. I mean, then Cooper BB is going to be an NFL player at guard. Their their guard, their left guard, left tackle combination might be the best in the Big Twelve, one of the best in the country. Both guys will play on Sundays. Uh, they're really physical, and they might. You know, I know Alabama gets. You know, you beat Alabama, but at the same time, K State is experienced, physical, and, and big. Uh, and they they that that five-man line really plays a, as a unit in their run game. And then you have all the. Uh, 
you know, Colin Klein is their, their offensive coordinator, and he is a running quarterback himself. So a lot of design runs for the QB, a lot of eye candy for defensive backs or defensive uh, linebackers have to deal with. It's going to be a, a really fun test. I mean, it's really one of those things. I saw a camera on the, the lines of scrimmage here and watch these matchups. The, uh, the Cooper BBV Tavondre Sweat matchup will be one to, to watch for sure. Uh, but Rod and I have I've talked about a lot of maybe what, what Pete Kwiatkowski is thinking. This does, to me, Patrick, a, a, an offense that Pete Kwiatkowski can get his hands around. Uh, they don't do the tempo thing very much. They don't go fast. They, but the, and they don't, they, they're not going to beat you and wow you, you know, with the wide receivers that can challenge your safeties and those kind of things because their leading receiver only, only catches you know, about 50, 55 yards in passing per game. Uh, but what they do do is challenge you with that run game. Uh, it's it's going to be a, a precise but also then explosive run game. Uh, and one of the things that, that Rod and I have talked about, especially on early downs, do we see a heavier package up front? Do we see where uh, to try to, to set the edge and, and give uh, the Texas you know, defensive front the best chance? Do you see you know, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, maybe Vernon Broughton, maybe Alfred Collins you know, up front just to man, to man the line? Uh, and then the one thing that we saw break out last week against BYU, who likes to run the ball, Patrick, was the, the, the alignment when you had Jalen uh, Ford at linebacker, but then Maurice Blackwell and, and Anthony Hill on the field together to bring speed uh, to the perimeter. Uh, guys that can really run the ball down. And 37, Maurice Blackwell had a heck of a game against BYU. We know Anthony Hill can run because you got to spy, you know, two quarterbacks, uh, running backs. You got to have speed to the perimeter because if you, this is what this this eye candy will do to you, Patrick. You take a half step the wrong direction, well, now all of a sudden they're out the side, and now all of a sudden there's a gap and a crease to the to the outside. Uh, but Anthony Hill and Maurice Blackwell, you could argue, would have the makeup speed to make up for a half step the wrong direction, whereas David Benda maybe not, and maybe some of the other guys. So, be really interested to see the chess match between Colin Klein and Pete Kwiatkowski in this game. Uh, because if you can make them third and, and even more than six, you've got a real chance to get off the field. If you can't, that's why they're number one in the Big 12 and t- one of the top in the country in third down conversions. They, they typically are third and three, third and two, uh, and give themselves an opportunity. Uh, if you can make them third and long, because uh, Texas is the number one defense in the Big 12 in third down defense versus the number one offense on third down offense, that's the chess match of the game. My biggest question, Patrick, is, is, is this a big enough the step up in class for K-State? Texas has played a much tougher schedule to this point than Kansas State has, and the two teams that have winning records that K-State has played have beaten them, Missouri and, uh, and Oklahoma State. So that becomes my conversation. But as far as the chess match goes, can't wait to see it. It's a line of scrimmage game without a doubt. Yeah, and uh, we had a texter, Mark from Taylor, says, do you think Texas is – do you think we are tougher than K-State? And I think that's kind of what it comes down to in that run game is you're bigger, you're stronger, so if you want to get tough, if you want to get – you know, want to go fight for it, you can go handle this line of scrimmage, and they're going to get some plays out because they're really talented. They're good at what they do. But if you want to go out there and be tough and not just try and rely on just your, your God-given abilities, then I, you can go in there and slow this, this run game down a lot. You're going to be able to stop them on some big plays on first and second down and make them have to make decisions on third down. But you're going to have to want it, and that's for Texas when you ask, are, you know, are they going to be the better team? That's what we wonder every single week because some weeks you see them and they don't look like the number seven team in the country, and the other weeks they look like they could be above the number seven team in the country. So which team shows up? It's a noon game, so that might, you know, we'll see if that helps them get up for the game a little bit more, that they big noon uh, kickoff is in town, that maybe they can get up for it and, and really Sarkin and the rest of his coaching staff can get them in the right frame of mind to not have to think about it all day. Just go out there and start a fight with K-State because you are the bigger, stronger, faster guys in this matchup, 
they're going to come at you, though, like they've been playing on concrete, so you better bring it. Yeah, uh, for sure, 100%. And uh, Chris Kleiman's a great coach. And uh, the question to the texter about are they tougher, I don't think they have to be tougher, Patrick. I think they have to be as tough. They have to be yeah. as tough as K-State because they're much faster and they're much more athletic on the perimeters. I mean, the one thing you know, and this is what Chris Kleiman has talked about this, we focus on it from the Texas side and we see their flaws. K-State has flaws too. And Chris Kleiman watches this team and understands, i got to do something with Xavier Worthy and, and A.D. Mitchell and this Jatavion Sanders and this Jonathan Brooks. And what if Keelan Robbins, what if they go back to that diamond package we saw uh, with three running backs on the field against BYU and to kind of expand on that? He's worried about that because if you're as tough on the lines of scrimmage, and I think Texas can be, uh, what I've been told is it's been a really tough, hard week of practice, kind of like Bama week coming off the Rice game where they weren't real physical against Rice, that they've done, done a lot of good on good and one-on-one. They understand how important this game is. You don't have to be tougher than. You have to be as tough on the line of scrimmage with them. If you are, your skill and your speed can then take over and win you the football game. But as Rod has said, you can't settle for field goals and you can't come up you know, without points in the red zone. You've got to stick it in the end zone because that has to be K-State's plan here is to play bend but don't break. Don't give up the explosive and then force some field goals Make it, uh, you know, shorten the game a little bit on offense. Uh, and nope, We had him drop once again. You know, they're out there in Round Rock uh, helping you out. Uh, we lost you there for a second. But uh, I'm with you. I think what yeah. we, uh, let's go to uh, Texas Tech, Texas uh, TCU game that's happening tonight uh, and talk about that for just a second before we go to break. Uh, I do. This is an interesting game because this is the Texas Tech. The road runs through Lubbock. Both teams trying to salvage. Texas will end up playing both of these teams before the end of the season. Neither team has played had the season they wanted. As much as everybody in TCU was thrilled after the national championship appearance last year, this is kind of Sonny Dykes' mo. We'll see if he's able to, uh, you know, get another class in and kind of turn it back around and get him right back on the right track next year. Or by the end of the season, you know, there's still some big games you can win. Uh, is this a the road goes through Lubbock game for you, Aaron? Where Texas Tech, because they're at home, can handle their two-and-a-half-point favorite, which is basically a home-field advantage. Uh, is this Texas Tech can handle TCU just through their home? Neither team has been great this year. Yeah, I, I just don't know what, what – I don't think expect or predict what's going to happen tonight in this game. Uh, these two teams – certainly Texas Tech is down to their third quarterback. They've looked you know, pretty bad in their passing game. Joey McGuire – And we've lost Aaron once again. I, I apologize to everybody for the, the mix-up. Uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't we take a break? We're going to get them to get sorted out up there so we can get back on the same path. Uh, we'll get them sorted out. Uh, they're up at third base at Round Rock, giving away some great prizes, hanging out there till 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to get them figured out. We go to the break. We'll make sure we get the, uh, the connection going back up. It gets a little bit crazy when people get out on the roads and everybody's got their cell phones going because that's how we're using their signal. So we'll try and get that sorted out for you in the break. Keep those texts coming in. Uh, Patrick's Big Fat Poll today. How many rushing yards will Texas allow versus K-State? K-State averaging 226 yards on the ground. Texas is averaging under 100 yards. They've allowed other teams to get. So it's a, it's a big matchup. This is one of the key matchups in this game. Uh, you guys have already been sending some in. Send some more in. Next segment, we will get to some of your text. And keep the show going here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. What do you want? Why don't you leave me alone? 
Back in the sports complex here on the horn on a Thursday afternoon. Keeping the Halloween music going for you for one more day. We'll get into a 512 Friday tomorrow, but some boning in the boneyard for some good old Halloween music that you may not always play. Uh, we're going to rejoin Aaron Hogan and Rob Babers in the uh, two in the hour number two at the six o'clock hour. They are out at third base in Round Rock, hanging out, giving away some really good prizes, have some drink specials, and you can enjoy them. Uh, enjoy their company up there at uh, third base Round Rock, a cool place to hang out. We'll get back to them in the hour two of the sports complex. But I wanted to get to your text here, as we normally do in this segment, uh, 512-447-3776. We've asked you uh, how many rushing yards we think Texas will allow against K-State. If you got any other takes, questions, any of that stuff, you can always send that in. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. Uh, my man Nate says that he went to his car last night and listened on the radio uh, when they broke up the no-hitter, and then he came back into the TV in the next inning. I, You know what? Sometimes you just got to do the superstitious things. Sometimes if anybody else did anything superstitious last night, let us know. He said, I, I went outside. I went outside of the house where I was watching the game by myself to, you know, give a little. I did watch some NBA on my phone, too, when I was out there. You know, I have a problem. Uh, <laughs> I do appreciate the text says, y'all on point. Uh, just seeing y'all keeping 100. appreciate that. Uh, Mark from Taylor says, uh, 150 yards is the number that you said that. Uh, he also mentions Astros need to get Hinch back. I don't think that the AJ, uh, AJ Hinch has any love lost for the Astros after the way he was ousted. Pretty sure he is still uh, not happy about getting kind of blamed and thrown under the bus for the whole cheating scandal. So I don't think that AJ Hinch will be coming back. But, you know, you know, stranger things have happened. And I also agree, kick the field goals, no more fake punts. I also like that, too. Uh, but 150 yards is what you got. That would be a pretty good performance because, in reality, K-State doesn't pass the ball very well. So, if you know, if you hold them to 150, you're probably holding them under 250 all-purpose yards because that, that, that passing game is not very good. Uh, and if the passing game does well against Texas, that's a whole different set of problems. Uh, 137 rushing yards for K-State this Saturday. That's a pretty pretty uh, uh, intense suggestion there. Uh, 160 yards rushing for the game. Uh, they do have a good rushing attack, but again, I don't think they face a defense like ours. Uh, thanks from my guy from New Mexico. Thanks for listening. And uh, I, I agree that this is a better defense than they've faced, and it's been a really good run defense. But when you're just trying to run the ball, and if you're willing to stick with it and keep getting four or five yard chunks and then break off a, a big play every once in a while, I think that's how they're going to rack up their yards. Uh, but hopefully, I hope you're right. I hope they, they do hold them down. Uh, they want to surprise K-State. Let Blink run. Everyone keeps saying he isn't a runner, but let him. Let's see. He'll be just fine, I'm sure, and they won't expect it. I don't know if you'd have to pull that out against K-State. You should be able to beat them in other ways. Uh, from Coach Rodney from Rosebud Lodge said that. I, I think you should be able to beat him in other ways. I also don't necessarily. I'm not a huge fan of trying to put your backup quarterback out there in a position to get hit when your starting quarterback is already hurt, and then you have to get down to Arch Manning, who we, we hope is ready to go and and uh, could be a great quarterback, but you prefer to not keep getting your quarterbacks injured and running the ball against a really tough, you know, hard-nosed K-State team may not be the best way to do that. Man, Chief Engineer says 125. And he says, I think the time of possession will really tell the tale on this. If we can hold the ball with long drives, play from ahead, we'll make them one-dimensionals. They are pretty a one-dimensional team, and so you just have to, if you can stop that one dimension and try and make them throw and be a one-dimensional throwing team, then Texas will really be on the positive end of that as long as they don't just do something really stupid. But I think PK, this Texas team, is doing pretty good. 
Uh, we got 140. Uh, Sark is a good play caller, but not consistent. No, not consistent at all in the red zone. He is consistent for the first, you know, 70 yards. And then once he gets in that 30 yard range, it gets a little, little less consistent. And then inside the 20 and then inside the 10, it keeps getting worse. Uh, we get a 156. 156. And exactly. Let's take the point, Steve. Yeah, I think that is, uh, that is uh, definitely something. Uh, let's take the points. In 156, all right, a lot of people around that 150 mark. Uh, we get another text that says, UT is going to crush K-State's ground game. K-State runs for 99 yards. Malik gains more confidence. UT 42, K-State 13. Go Horns from RT2. Uh, listen, if Texas does that, we'll all be thrilled. It is a way you may be able to bounce back up and jump ahead of Oregon. If you go handle a K-State team that's ranked right now, number 23 in the country, and if you were to handle them, uh, 42 to 13, and just shut down their run game. You may be able to do that. I don't know if that'll be the case, but you know, you need stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. Uh, Carrie from Georgetown says, uh, my, my wife is a tech grad. Rawls business school requires maximum SAT, ACT. She is so upset that a dark horse to win the big 12, uh, and playing the third QB backup for the second week. He's a true freshman. He was a receiver in high school last year. So yes, they are disappointed in results after losing two QBs. Yes, no, I look, there's injuries. We get that. Uh, they weren't playing well with any of their QBs, really. It's just, you know, I think you had a lot of expectations. They'll continue to grow. I think we all agree that Texas Tech is not, you know, done for it. We're not going to have to deal with them after this year, uh, which is what we'll bring up to our guys uh, out there at third base. Uh, Aaron Hogan, Rob Abers, we'll ask him what our poll question was yesterday, which if you didn't answer that, you can send that in as well, uh, that we have four games left with four opponents that we have played many times in the Big 12. We asked you yesterday, uh, if you didn't answer it yesterday, if you weren't on listening yesterday, uh, who, what team are you going to miss the most playing in the Big 12? Which Big 12 opponent that we've been playing for years will you miss the most? Uh, is it K-State? We can answer that one on our text line too, 512-447-3776. Piper says, hoping for 150 yards or less. I think we're all hoping for under 150, but I think that's really a big win for Texas, under 150. And Chief Engineer says not everything needs to be A-gap, B-gap screen. Well, I agree. And, and that's one of the things with Sark is his run game plays seem to be a bit more predictable. He sees a very uh, intra – like he does a lot of creative plays in the pass game. He doesn't do as much in the run game. He doesn't do a lot of pre-snap motion stuff that he needs to be doing in the red zone that we've seen with especially the Dolphins has worked out really well this season. But just showing different looks. He keeps being predictable break tendency, go out there. This is probably your toughest game left on the regular season. Now, every one of those are trap games. Of course, Iowa State, TCU, uh, Tech all really, really, really want to beat you, so they're all trap games. But at the same point, K-State, you know, even though they're one-dimensional, is a team that can come after you, and if you don't respect them and you don't play tough, anything can happen. And they can take over an entire quarter running the ball. If you have a three and out, if they start the quarter with the ball, and then you have a three and out when they either kick a field goal or score a touchdown and do whatever. They, you, that could be it. You could have one possession in a quarter if K-State continues to hold the ball. It's just how their run game and how they kind of just run clock. They're able to do that. 
Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, top of the hour, hour two, rejoined by the guys from Hook 'em Up, my colleagues, Rob Babers, Aaron Hogan, weekday morning 6 to 11, and Thursday afternoons on home games with me. They're out at third base Round Rock, giving away some really cool prizes, drink specials, getting you ready for the Texas Tech TCU game that's about to start in just a few minutes. They're getting you ready for that Titans versus Steelers game that is happening tonight as well, Thursday night football. Get you ready for all of that. The NBA action tonight, Wimby is back on the court tonight at 9 o'clock against the Suns and a Suns back-to-back game. All of that happened out there at third base, so go out and join them, and we'll be right back uh, right here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.